Hello and welcome to the Men Meet World podcast. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Dave Rubin, and I got on uh, Skype. Let's see his lovely face here, Andy Brucina. Say what's up, Andy. Hey, <laughs> And we are here for episodes three, four, and five of Boy Meets World. And uh, we'll hit you with the titles of the episodes as we get there. You want to introduce the first one, Andy? Oh, I'd love to. Alright, so this episode I thought was a real scorcher. Really just came <laughs> firing out of the gate. Hot. Uh, the episode was, of course, called Father Knows Less. Which, uh, the father is obviously Alan in this case. For <laughs> yeah, his father. For this specific episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. As will uh, other people's fathers get, or in other uh, seasons. But just this time, it's only really Corey's father's uh, main focal point. Well, so, they, talk, they talk a little bit about Feeney's dad, too. They do. It's really sad. <laughs> it's like the saddest thing, like ending to like any of these episodes I can remember. <laughs> Short synopsis of this episode is that uh, Alan has to bail on a Betty plan with Corey, and in doing so, Corey gets kind of upset, and his dad is like trying to make it up to him, so he wakes him up in the middle of the night to watch a baseball game with him, because Kurt Schilling... Uh, our our personal hero uh, is go, is uh, throwing a no hitter going into the ninth, and uh, basically Corey stays up late, then fails a test the next day. Uh, Alan yells at Mister Feeney, and eventually Mister Feeney comes to a resolve where he kind of understands where Alan's coming from, and like I guess Corey still ends up failing the test, but. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but but at least Corey and Allen's bond and Mr. Feeney's bond with the two of them is getting stronger. Well, in this episode, we see that as audience members, we're not the only ones learning a lesson. Because yeah. Feeney, Allen, pretty much everybody throughout this episode learns a very, very valuable lesson. Mm-hmm. Starting the, lesson, <laughs> the lesson I learned, <laughs> that I learned from this episode <laughs> was that Corey's mom is just like the biggest buzzkill. and uh i have more on that later about why i think that is well i thought maybe the most valuable lesson is what uh the assistant manager leonard spinelli learned midway through the episode the most racist (laughs) jewish character i've ever seen in my entire life is it is it racist or does he have asperger's like i just like is that (laughs) that what they're getting at they're one and the same at this point Mrs. Matthews, Leonard Spinelli, uh, Mr. Matthews' assistant manager. Lenny, I know who you are. You've had dinner here maybe 20 times. <laughs> oh, well, I'm just never sure if I really make an impression on people. Yeah, you do. I, I tried phoning repeatedly. Did you know call waiting is only pennies a day? <laughs> it is the early 90s. It hurts. It hurts. And, uh... He keeps coming back to Alan with complaints about problems that he's having at the store. And Alan, at one point, is like, "Do you know what the manager does?" And Leonard Spinelli's like, "Manages problems." And then he's like, "Do you know what the assistant manager does?" And he's like, "No, sir." Like, what? How'd you get the job? <laughs> I was really yeah. I had a lot of thoughts on that too. It's like. Why is he, like, you couldn't have found anybody else? Like, this guy can't even perform basic functions as a human. And the second problem is that they've spilled, like, seltzer water all over an aisle. And it happens to say so, with all the Alka-Seltzer. And like, what's yeah. The and he's like, 
There's 10,000 packs <laughs> of Alka-Seltzer. What kind of fucking grocery store is this? Lenny, you came here, I assume there's a point. Right. Mr. Matthews, if we move quickly, I think we can contain this thing. Oh, the horror. Bottom line, Lenny. Right, right. Oh, boy. The bottom line is this. You know that long shelf over the produce department that holds all those cases of Perrier? Yeah. It doesn't do that anymore. It fell down? Fell down would be one way of putting it. Another way would be that the bottles crashed through those produce bins like they were eggshells and set an imported French tidal wave all the way down aisle six. What's on aisle six? 10,000 packages of Alka-Seltzer. <laughs> anybody hurt? Hard to say. Mr. Conklin was still fizzing when I left. It's an entire aisle just full of Like, you could go to, like, a Super Walmart, and this is, like, the early 90s where it's not even, like, Super Walmarts, and they don't have 10,000 Alka-Seltzers just chilling on, like, in one aisle. Maybe 20 packs. That's... Maybe 20 packs. Yeah, yeah, it's... <laughs> yeah. Maybe in places that have, like, like huge like Mexican restaurant populations and like they need that to break down the food in their system. But uh, really it just <laughs> didn't really make any sense. And also the second problem is he literally just burnt the store down. <laughs> how much, how much of the store is left? Stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're like, Oh wait, so you don't have it. So Al doesn't have a job anymore because the store burnt down on this guy's watch. Better collect insurance. Yeah, yeah. We'll ride that insurance money to uh, retirement. <laughs> Man, so so we learned that, you know, Alan at first thinks he's in the right for keeping Corey up, and he wants Feeney to let him have a makeup test, but Feeney doesn't see it that way, because Feeney has uh, some issues with his pops also. Is that right, Andy? Then I heard that Mr. Truman was going on the radio that night to announce the end of the war. I went home and asked my father if I could stay up with him to hear the president. Do you know what he said? I'm guessing it's either yes or no, but we both know how well I do on multiple choice. <laughs> he said, tomorrow's a school day. I don't want you up with me. So you're saying your dad really knew the value of education? I'm saying my father didn't want me hanging around with him and his drinking buddies. Oh, like it's it's so depressing. <laughs> he talks about like this old story where uh, he tried to stay up for Truman's speech uh, after the Great Sneaker War, as Corey described it, World War II, as we all remember it. <laughs> I call it the Sneaker War. Yeah, it was when it was when Adidas finally took over uh, Puma as the leading brand in Europe. Nobody can forget uh, World War II. <laughs> no, never. Um, and he talks about how his dad wouldn't let him stay up to listen to Harry Truman talk about how the war was ending, which, so is Feeney not British? Like, I, I cannot figure out for the life of me because those quotes, <laughs> he's talking about his like life at home and he's like, I used to ask my mother why I could only have butter on my toast two mornings a week. And she said, because of the war in Europe. And I wondered why there was never enough candy and. She told me because of the war in Europe. Oh, and I longed for a pair of sneakers, but I couldn't have any. Those Europe guys stole them? <laughs> no, no. 
the rubber had to be diverted to the war effort. There was a version of a sneaker available, but it was made out of recycled tires and left black marks in the gym floor. Hey, you took Jim? They made me. <laughs> That's just Clearly, we should have red phoned up more on our uh, <laughs> how rationing has affected uh, North America during I, World War II. I, I'm feeling guilty right now. Like, is there something I didn't know about history? Or- were we really rationing everything? I just sound like an insensitive asshole. Well, look yeah. at our viewers are uh, averaging age. <laughs> Between the 5,000 of them, the average age is about 27. So, Yeah, is it that high? <laughs> <laughs> I guess when they're all 27, that works out. <laughs> say 18, say 18. <laughs> Corey really finds out that maybe Dad uh, was wrong and maybe Feeney was wrong. And is that even possible? Hey, Mom. Hey, Cor. Can I ask you something? Sure. I'm on the clock for another half hour. <laughs> um, well, earlier tonight, Dad told me Mr. Feeney was right. And then later on, Mr. Feeney told me Dad was right. Mm-hmm. At least that's what I think he was saying. Sometimes I can't hold my breath long enough to get down to where Mr. Feeney likes to swim. <laughs> Well, Cor, sometimes two adults can think two different ways about something, and both can be right. Then how come I only think one way about things and I'm always wrong? How does Corey come up with these insanely <laughs> clever, metaphorical, awesome adult jokes? He's like, he's like 12. Also, he's a fucking moron. <laughs> he's like <laughs> repeatedly shown time and time again that he's a fucking moron. It's like a huge part of his character is he's so dumb. So I don't know if it was like, if it's like a purposeful, like misogynistic view in this episode. In all these that, episodes. In all these episodes. That's what I was thinking, but I wonder if it's just because we're experiencing the world through a sixth grade boy and they all, like, you're at, like, that's an age where it's like, boys are just going to be like that at that age. Like, right. it's like, especially in the 90s. Like, that's all they're always going to be. But also, because you're like you're kind of living this episode through Corey, not only do you see women in this way, but I don't think Lenny is as incompetent as they make him out to be that we see him. It's just that Corey sees his dad in this as this sort of like God, and that the only and everybody who works under him or works for him must be completely incompetent, and Corey's dad is like the only person that can get things done. But we, I don't think that's actually necessarily true. I think that's just the way that. Corey perceives it to be, so and that we're living it. You're saying everything that we see is out of Corey's eyes, basically. Yeah, that's deep, bro. That's deep. Is, <laughs> is there anywhere in Boy Meets World like uh, analytics that they say that's the case? Uh, not that I'm aware of, but that would make sense. I think it would make sense. That's a, that's an interesting uh, take on it. That explains why everybody is insanely irrational all the time. Yeah, but then it doesn't really explain Corey's behavior at the same time. Because <laughs> you think that he would like view himself in a greater light, but maybe he does lack self-confidence. So He sure does. He sure does. Like, and it's like very apparent in the fourth episode. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, the fourth episode is uh, it's called Corey's Alternate Friends, I think, or just Alternate Friends? Uh, Corey's Alternate Friends. And so this episode uh, is all about... Corey and Sean do a report together, which I actually think is not a terrible report. Not punishable offense to redo the whole report. It's, it's kind of good. 
Uh, yeah. Also, I was going to say, did, did they punish everybody else, or why did they only punish like that too? <laughs> yeah. It's really weird. Um, so they had to redo their reports on um, atmospheric issues or whatever. Air pollution. Air, air pollution. Which was basically air pollution. Yeah, and uh, he has to be partners with Topanga, who are finally introduced to in this episode. And thank God for it. It really is the start of something beautiful, isn't it? You work with Miss Lawrence. Topanga? Give me your hand. Why? I want to see if our energies converge. Ooh. He's vibrationally acceptable. Thanks. Yeah, and it gives the episode, uh, like, the series a bit more edge. <laughs> it does. Well, and it makes Corey not always just get to be a complaining wise-ass. Although he still does do that most of yeah. the time. Uh, yeah. And they get paired up, and they learn a little bit about each other. We see a couple sparks fly. And Sean and Minkus also, uh, you know, gain a mutual silent appreciation for one another. Could be worse. At least they didn't give me Minkus. Hey. Minkus doesn't like me, he doesn't trust me, and he doesn't respect me. So, he's doing the whole assignment by himself. In my book, Stuart Minkus is a god. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's pretty much pretty much the whole episode. <laughs> well, like, they kiss. I think that's really important. Like, yeah, that's, I mean, those are the sparks. They, and they, just they, get their, they get their Mac on. They get their Mac on. This is, I think this is where like, the series really finds its legs. That scene where they're like at home working on their report, and she does an alternative dance while he reads. She yeah. puts <laughs> lipstick all over her face, and then Sean pops in and he's like, "Use a mirror, babe." <laughs> I thought that was like the best part. I was literally laughing off my chair in that episode. <laughs> I thought it was so funny. And to me, that was like that was the definition of the best moments in the show to come. It's like the three of them just being ridiculous together. Yeah, and also, it's funny, like, when Sean pops in with these lines, Sean is, like, not that big of a player. Like, I don't mean, like, macking on chicks. I mean, he just doesn't really have much to do in these first few episodes. Yeah, he's, like, uh, you know, the sixth main character, fifth main character. I kind of wonder if they, as far as these first few episodes go, like, because there's a bunch of other kids who don't have, like, that big of roles, but, like, there's, like, Minkus and all this stuff. And they'll kind of throw all these kids around Corey and want to see maybe somebody here will like, they'll like work well as a team. And then it just ended up being like Ryder Strong and uh, whoever plays uh, Topanga. <laughs> Whatever her name is, yeah. And then they cut, make us out, obviously. Eventually, yeah. They cut, and they cut both of the best friends out after like this season, I think. And they yeah. just switch off which best friend they use every other episode. Yeah, there's a black kid and there's the the guy who kind of looks like Yeah Yeah from Sandlot. <laughs> it might be the same kid. <laughs> Maybe him. I love how the laugh track gets so good in the fourth episode. Whenever they mention Beavis and Butthead, there's like a I, resounding I, applause. It's like, they're out there watching Beavis and Butthead. Who? Woo! All right, yeah. Which. I thought it was such a weird, like, why? What, what reason do they have to promote Beavis and Butthead? Like, they're on ABC. 
like MTV is owned by Viacom, right? Like it, I, I, I looked it up and I was just like, why are they rooting for this like television show? And they mentioned it again in the next episode. They do two, two episodes in a row. Beavis and Butthead gets a shout out. I think probably like the people who wrote the episode were like, man, that one hit hard in that first episode. <laughs> <laughs> we better throw Beavis and Butthead in the next episode also. The bully who's the kind of asshole kid who they try to get to sign the petition and he's like yeah. pushing through. Do you recognize him from any Disney classics? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> he's the bad guy from Brink, believe it or not. <laughs> that, face, that face will never slip by me. That face will never slip by me. <laughs> oh. So yeah, I mean, I thought that was a good episode. I thought that... uh we obviously saw some good Corey Topanga chemistry. Um, Sean had some good chemistry, and oh, and Corey turned his hair into duck hair. Yeah, you know, I don't have a lot of like notes on that whole situation because it wasn't really that funny. It wasn't. It was like we were. Was the funny part for the audience what his hair looked like? Because wasn't that funny looking? <laughs> yeah, it was just like kind of <laughs> shitty. <laughs> yeah, I it was like, like really. It just looks really wet. It's like... <laughs> it's just soaking wet in grease. Um, yeah. That was really funny when he was talking to his brother and his dad, and they both were making jokes about him falling off. I like that dad's kind of loose in these first couple episodes, because he becomes a pretty big hard-ass later. I think it's because of uh, he has a lot of concerns, like financial concerns coming in the later episodes. Like At this point, it's like everything's like pretty much going his way. Right. He's got the store. Kids are just great. I mean, they're all dumb. Morgan is the worst. Oh, I, <laughs> I hate, like, uh, she just has nothing to contribute. I know it's like she's a child actor, but she's on, like, a kid's show. Yeah, well, and she's, like, I think her thing was she's really cute, you know? But her lines are just so bad, and, like, she just looks like she's pushing them out. Uh, and you know what? And there's even the, the one really actual, like, good message in the episode is when uh, she goes to her mom, and they talk about... Uh, like how women can like they don't need men. They can they can have their own jobs. They can hold their own positions. They with, can like with her little doll, right? Mommy, if my dolly is cold, can I put her in the toaster oven? <laughs> no, honey, that would be a mistake. Mommy, what? I made a mistake. <laughs> Corey, didn't you smell that? I just thought we were having plastic for dinner. <laughs> I don't care what she looks like. Debbie's my doll, and I love her. Well, sweetheart, we'll get you another doll. Okay. I don't like my new dolly. She's not wearing a pretty dress. Well, honey, she's a businesswoman. I mean, this dolly has gone to college, has a good job, and doesn't need Ken to support her. <laughs> Who cares? I got a head problem here. Hey, it's Punky Brewster. You know, they don't... Like, I feel like they could have really springboarded from that in, like, other episodes, but... And... They just never do. Like with the like in this show, it's it's weird to have that message like in the middle of an episode, and then it's like never touched on again. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of weird. Um, and when like the women, sorry, the women in the show are always trying to like sabotage the men. It seems. Yeah, well, that's that's all this show really is, especially once you get Corey into like 
college and stuff, it's just constantly women sabotaging men. <laughs> Every episode. <laughs> Mor- Morgan makes that reference when she walks in the room and sees him with the long hair. She's like, hey, it's Punky Brewster. Do you know who Punky Brewster is? Uh, I know of Punky Brewster, but it's kind of before our time. Yeah. It's... Like, I, I thought that was very much a, uh, uh, like, uh, here, parents, have a weird reference joke. It's so weird to have it come out of Morgan's mouth, though, because how would she know that joke? I, like, I don't know. I guess, like, watching reruns? Like, <laughs> I, I don't Everybody's... know why Everybody's way too sharp in this show. It's frustrating. <laughs> to be fair, I laughed my ass off in this episode. I was dying. <laughs> they uh, they bring up the fact that Sean has a sister in this episode. Oh, right, because he calls his sister to ask for help with the hair. Yeah, it's like it's a whole plot point of the episode, but she's like he doesn't have a sister. That is like never, like at especially, least in the later seasons. Especially not one that he's close with. I mean, like he has like his whole trailer park family that are like. Could be stepbrothers and stepsisters, but he never brings up a sister again. No. Seems like no. he's cool enough with her to like call her and ask her for help on doing his buddy's hair. Yeah. Also, it seems like, the, I guess, uh, I guess they don't go to the trailer till much later. He's not really in that point. I guess his parents haven't split at this point, so. Yeah. Spoilers. Spoilers. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Get ready for later, guys. Uh, and then we move on to episode five, which is so rightfully titled. Killer bees. Yeah. <laughs> Killer bees, like, on the storm, yeah. You know. <laughs> I just did not really get it. Um, he, basically, Corey wants to enter a geography contest because he wants to become a bat boy, and Minkus tries to become cool. And uh, we learn the value of education. What's the most important ingredient in wind? Talent. Skill. I want you to stop shaking your head. The will to win. That's what you need. That's what I got. This sudden interest in geography wouldn't have anything to do with this year's World Series Bat Boy Prize, would it? No, no way. Not even. Are you kidding? I'm doing this for you. You're on a five-year winning streak, and I want to bring the big six home to you. You're sucking up to me. As hard as I can. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I thought, that, yeah, I thought this was your favorite episode, but uh, what? What, After did what, you, what did you realize you didn't like so much about it? Uh, there's a lot of continuity here in this episode. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> there was like a okay, so to kind of like go go more more to the synopsis about uh, Corey's like geography. He like so he signs up for geography B. Because he can be, if he wins, he can be the bat boy of the World Series. Right. And uh, first game of the World Series. Not a, not a, not a real one. <laughs> a first game. You know? And yeah. uh, I, uh, I thought that was really odd. As, uh, because baseball is like heavily ingrained in this show. Like he is a huge Phillies fan. He's a big Phillies like the, guy. Like the Eagles are not really touched on or the Flyers. But the Phillies are like, I have a feeling like whoever created the show Really just like the Phillies. Yeah, they kind of made it seem like that. Or at least baseball in general. Anyway, so he goes to the geography bee, loses, learns a lesson that maybe, you know, it's not so bad to, like, try to study right now and then. Well, I want you to know that I tried my hardest. 
Did you? Do you really feel you gave it your best? That you studied as hard as you possibly could? Yeah, I do. You know, Miss Matthews, many 15th century explorers believed that geography meant taking their little boat as far as it could go before it fell off the earth. You have pushed yourself to your farthest latitudes, and not only did you not topple over the edge, but I believe together we have charted new territory. What's this? That is this week's geography exam. I got an A? Yes, it's an A. Congratulations, Mr. Matthews. But uh, <laughs> the biggest issue I had to it was, uh, was with when he was thinking about being a uh, bad boy. And he goes, oh, you want, want me to pinch hit for you, Mr. Bonds? Like, okay, uh, you know. And uh, <laughs> one, obviously, like the way that Barry Bonds is viewed now, like, it, this is like pretty outdated. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but you think two, they're going to go back and make edits now? <laughs> <laughs> Number two, I got, I got another issue with that. So as a big Phillies fan, the Phillies and I believe Barry Bonds was either, would have either been playing for – he would have just started with the Giants or just ended with the Pirates at that year. That, it's like 1993. Right. It's like right when he changed over. They're both in the NL. Like all those teams are in the NL. So why would he have hoped for like a Phillies player to be there? Like, Did they say it was the first game of the year? I thought it was like a pro game or something like that. It was the first game of the World Series. Oh, so, okay. so it would have been, I thought that was odd that, that he wouldn't have wanted a Phillies player to be there, and it's and Barry Bonds would not have been playing in the AL. Yeah, true. As strong as as strong as they are on baseball references in two of these episodes, I thought like that would have been like carried over, but maybe that was just me being frustrated with continuity. <laughs> yeah, that's that's crusty Andy right there. Uh, <laughs> I like that they lay just a really hard, openly gay burn joke on Minkus like early on and it's pretty pretty offensive Minkus is talking about all the things he hates and they're like but we can help you change maybe I like how I am you like everyone always making fun of you no you like always being the last one picked for teams no you like everyone pulling your underwear up your butt all the time <laughs> it's not so bad <laughs> I didn't get that as a I didn't get that as a gay joke. But. Oh yeah, oh it definitely is. He loves it up the butt. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes! Was I the yeah, one who was out of line here? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I wasn't going to go there with the, the demographic of this show, our podcast, not the uh, not the actual TV show we're watching. Sure, sure. Um, and we forgot about a very important subplot going on in this episode. Eric wants to go see Aerosmith, and then he finds out that his parents are going to see Aerosmith, and he's bringing his super hot girlfriend, Heather, and uh, can't bear the idea of being at the same place as his parents. Mother, and when I call you that, I'm referring to the generational chasm between us, which which means you couldn't possibly be going to the same concert as me. Why not? Well, you know, Aerosmith's kind of loud for someone your age, Mommy. You should really be listening to... Careful. Aren't Peter, Paul, and Mary blowing wind somewhere? Mom, have you met my good friend Minkus? It's nice to meet you, Minkus. Call my mother. What? Have you ever gone uh, through that, Andy? No. Like, <laughs> me neither. Like, <laughs> oh, you gave me a free ride there and back? Awesome. 
<laughs> you know, maybe able to buy your stuff. Stuff. They'll get like a shirt at least, probably. Um, <laughs> and uh, also, they're like on like opposite ends of a fucking venue, and not like not like a venue, but like an arena. Right. Not like a bar where there's music playing, like a fucking huge arena. Like uh, Aerosmith playing. Yeah. I mean, like it's gonna be, it's gonna be wild. Like it's early '90s Aerosmith. Like that would be a wild show to be at. It'd been awesome. I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go, but I'm sure it would have been great. <laughs> great if you joined Aerosmith. <laughs> uh, the whole Steven Tyler's. Uh, I'm not a big fan, but you know, for those for those that are, you know, oh, he does it for me. He does it big time. <laughs> and uh, they come back, and Eric's just complaining about how awful the show was and how much it sucked to have his parents there. And this girl is just like not even tripping, and it's not a big deal to anybody except Eric. And he's like. I'm not gonna have sex with you tonight, parents. Parents, I'm taking you home right now. <laughs> and she's like, "Why? Like, I'm kind of down. <laughs> I'm here. Like, let's do this." Yeah, which is really obvious when you know the lights go off and like she's like, "All right, this is finally happening." Like, yeah, just start sticking her tongue down his throat. Yeah, and uh, also this is like very classic. Eric has like serious mac, like macking on chicks. Yeah, you hardly when, like, ever first... see it happen, but he always has girls. Yeah, it's not like Sean, where Sean's always macking on girls, and you see it, and, like, it pays off. It's like, Eric is always, like, kind of on the fringe, and, like, with some girl. He, like, come, like Corey goes to talk to him, he's just, like, with some girl. He's never been past, it's... like, the third date, but they're dating, and even though they, like, maybe haven't even made out yet. Yeah, but, like, I think it has more to do with, like, the Christian undertones in this show than, Definitely. like, anything else. Uh... I want to. There was also another big burn at the uh, at the expense of the American public school system <laughs> at the very beginning, where they had the outdated textbooks. <laughs> there is no East Germany anymore. But the textbook says it's right next to West Germany. Yes, well, the textbook also says that Alaska and Hawaii will make fine states someday. <laughs> Things change, Mr. Matthews. Unfortunately, the Board of Education doesn't have the funds to keep up. Then how am I supposed to keep up? Watch the news. Pay attention in class. Look at the uh, mimeographs I give you before you turn them into paper airplanes. Um, what good would it do? They keep changing geography. Why can't it be like all the other subjects? Math. Two plus two is always four. Uh, science. The earth always goes around the sun. History. Lincoln always gets shot in the head. <laughs> Lincoln got off easy. <laughs> he's so unreasonable. He's like, you should know stuff that's not in the book I gave you. You're like, oh, really? <laughs> Why did you Which, tell us that? Yeah. <laughs> Which is, like, he says, like, oh, you should have paid attention to class. Like, I said that in class. And uh, so I guess, like, Corey literally did not pick up anything from, the, like, uh, from sitting in class, listening to him talk about god knows what and <laughs> but uh, like the fact that it was in the book and i don't i don't know i was i just like the burn of the mother at the american public school system <laughs> yeah basically yeah basically burn they just can't afford new books that was pretty solid um yeah and so basically we end up learning dad lets them uh sit in the couch together and he's like yeah go for it and eric's like guess i'll get to be the guy with the cool dad and then he goes to the kiss, and Dad turns on lights. He's like, "Not that cool." 
And then they have to separate <laughs> on the couch. It's like, wow, that's really uncool. You're just going to leave me down here and I'm not even allowed to touch her? <laughs> no, the best part is, like, they're just sitting there by themselves still. It's not like he comes down and is, like, there. Yeah. It's literally like they just, he just turns the lights on. It's a... <laughs> Eric, they also have that line about Eric at the beginning of the first episode where he's talking to the girl and he's like, just wear a turtleneck. It'll cover it up. And mom yeah. looks at him and he's like, so I sucked a neck. <laughs> I've never said that to my mom. And she's like, she's like oh, okay. And just like goes about whatever she's doing. She's like, what am I hearing? Okay. No, don't worry about it. <laughs> They're just always... So like chill with like Eric's like philandering.